You're listening to the Artistic Finance Podcast, show 54. On today's show, we launch a 10-part series on learning how to invest in the stock market. Dance photographer Mark Sandoz joins me on this trial by fire. Our backgrounds are in the live event industry, and we have no Wall Street training. You'll be learning alongside us as we discover terms like mutual fund, self-directed IRA, and capital gains. Tonight, we announce what assets we're investing $6,000 into. We'll be tracking them for the next year and a day. This is real money. If we invest wisely, we'll have more than $6,000 at the end of the year. If we invest poorly, we could lose it all. Without further ado, let's get to the show. You're listening to Artistic Finance Podcast, where your host, Ethan Steimel, interviews successful artists, leaders, and investors to help educate and inspire artists to grow their wealth. Okay, welcome everyone to our first live show. Uh, Mark and I tested this, so I'm really hoping it, it's working. Um, if anybody that has access to the chat box, let me know if you can hear me. And speaking of, Mark, can you hear me? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right. So I am Ethan Steimel, and I'm your host or one of your co-hosts. And the other voice here is Mark Santos. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Josh Warner, thank you for saying that it's working. All right. So for everyone listening, 10 years from now, we are recording this live on May 5th, 2021, amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Broadway has been closed for a year and it's slotted to reopen in September. There is also a Black Lives Matter slow burn across the world and a Stop Asian Hate campaign in the USA. First things first, everyone grab your gin and tonic or your margarita, or if you're healthy, grab your water and just take this first couple of minutes to settle in and relax and just let go of the world and just be in this moment with us. Mark and I, we're just going to go off to the races, but we're going to take this first five minutes-ish to sort of explain how this hour is going to go. First thing first is that chat box, which is working. I'm so happy to see that. Mark, oh, Mark, you don't know this. You're going to monitor that chat box. Let me know if anybody says anything crazy that I need to address there. <laughs> okay, no problem. <laughs> um, but that's the easiest way to interact with us. So please say whatever comes to your mind. And there's going to be a way, some ways to win a prize through the chat box later. So make sure you know how to type in it. All right, Mark, I'm going to start this off with a joke. Uh, where does Dracula keep his money? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, so if anybody knows the answer to that, where does Dracula keep his money? Put it in the chat box. Let us know. <laughs> All right. And the other thing is you can call in. There's an option to call in. If you want to do that, we certainly welcome it. But you absolutely have to use headphones. So we don't want to risk any feedback. And if you do call in, the technology is a little spotty. So we have to let you into the room. And sometimes it takes a minute. So if you're going to try to call in, just be patient and sort of pay attention to see if we go to you. Um, oh, I and think we have an answer in the chat. We do? Dracula keeps blood in the blood bank. <laughs> I should have gotten that. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Oh, man. I thought I, I, thought I could stump. I just heard, heard Nicole scream in the other room. <laughs> all right. Also, the most important thing I think for tonight is that I want to say a big thank you to all of our patrons. And we've had some new ones in the last week or so. And so Taylor and Ira 
they are new and they have previously been podcast guests. So that's really cool. Mark, you were also a previous podcast guest, but you are not a patron. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) And then Katie and Jake, who have not been guests, but when we do Instagram lives, they spam us with a bunch of comments. And so they basically become a part of the show on those. So we're at 19 patrons right now. We're 31 shy of our goal of 50, but that's okay. We're going to switch the podcast to going every other week. When we get 50 patrons, if we do it by midnight, we're going to keep going in the weekly format. And then if we get to 50 later, I may bring the weekly thing back to be determined. But if you're a patron, I will be putting stuff out every week. So if you're feeling benevolent tonight and you're just having a good margarita and you're enjoying life um, and you want to stick with our show for a while and you're going to sort of maybe track this next 10 episodes about these investments, please become a founding 50 in our patron. So it's sort of like the founding fathers, but way cooler, a lot more diversity. And we all have air conditioning now, which they didn't have. (laughs) And our founding 50 is also going to get a special thank you note from me when we reach 50. So it's either going to be a handwritten note or it's going to be a custom video, just depending on what I'm feeling. Mark, I know you're not a patron, but do you know how to become one if you want to? Well, you definitely have to go to Patreon. (laughs) That is right. Patreon.com slash artistic finance. One of the best websites in the world. And I have another, since since we have Dracula keeps his money in a blood bank, the next riddle I have for everyone is, why don't cows have any money? Mark, do you know the answer to that? I have never even thought about this. No idea. <laughs> All right. I've stumped him. If anybody else knows, let us know. All right. And now, Mark, we're having some giveaways. So do you want to talk about them or shall I? Uh, you're doing so well. Why don't you do it? <laughs> Okay. All right. So the first thing we're giving away is the artistic finance savings charts. So if you're a patron, you have access to these already, but they're printable charts with a goal and then sort of a map to follow to get to that goal. And you can win that very easily by following us on social media, any social media, tag us in a comment and explain why you liked one of our episodes. So find the sort of promo for that episode and say, hey, this episode was great because this reason. And you'll get bonus points if you comment on episode 43, which Mark Santos was the guest on. <laughs> hey. So that's easy prize number one. Number two is the Artistic Finance Financial Vocabulary Dictionary, which is 20 financial terms that I decided everybody should know. And so I put them into sort of flashcard format. This prize actually comes with a podcast cameo, which is that later on, We will record this and I will quiz you on those 20 terms or you can quiz me and we'll record that and we'll put it into one of our episodes. Now that you win by typing the funniest thing in the chat tonight. At the end of the night, Mark will decide who said the funniest thing and they're going to win that prize and the cameo on the show. (laughs) All right. That sounds great. (laughs) And Mark, we won't put you on the spot. You don't have to decide like on the air tonight, but you, you can decide after. Okay, sounds good. All right. And the third and final prize is the Artistic Finance Map of Life, which is a map that goes from age zero, well, actually really age 18, all the way up to age 68. And I decided after 68, doesn't matter, but it's a map of your life and you put things on it. Nicole and I have made one of these. So I'm going to make a digital version of this. I haven't, I haven't built it yet. I actually like to call it the map to death, but I decided that's a little morbid. <laughs> So we'll call it the artistic finance map of life. Um, And I think I'm going to up the age to 72 because 72 is the age 
that required minimum distributions out of retirement accounts is. That's the new age. So I guess I could have it go up to age 60, 72. And the way you win that, this is the hardest prize to win, I believe. You have to call in tonight. Oh, wow. So <laughs> you have to brave the technology. You have to find your headphones and call in and you will win that. So Mark, now what we are here to sort of talk about for tonight's show, the 6K special. So we're putting $1,000 into six different assets. Now, Mark, question for you. Okay. If you had $6,000 in a retirement account that you needed to put somewhere and save for your retirement, what would you do with that? Oh, 6000 Um, I think I would put it in an ETF. That's what I would do. Mm, that is probably a really wise idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect any financial advisor would say the same thing. Especially, well, now here's the deal. I've really only talked to two financial advisors in my life. I've read a lot of them with columns for advice, you know, in Forbes and whatever. Um, but the two I've actually talked to in real life have said that's what they would do. So, Mark, that would be a really good and pretty safe idea. But that's not what we're going to do with our $6,000. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to try to beat an ETF. So an ETF is basically, I'm sure everyone knows this, but exchange traded fund. And it's just tracking the market. And you can pick different markets. You can pick the entire globe. But that's what it is. So we're here to sort of try to beat that. Um, we think we're smarter than that. Actually, that's not true. We don't think we're smart at all. I mean, Mark, you're pretty smart, right? Yeah, but I've never tried to beat the market, so I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. Well, us and Warren Buffett, although I think Warren Buffett maybe hasn't been. But anyway, um, <laughs> okay. So the investments that we are making, the six things we're doing is the first thing Mark said, which is an ETF. And I'm going to use an app or a website called M1 Finance. So I'm trying to put all these $1,000 in, in separate accounts, so that way I can keep track of them easier. So that's an M1 Finance, which is very uh, investor, like a long-term buy and hold app. That's what it's made for. Uh, we are going to buy some individual stocks, and I'm going to do that in a Robinhood account, because that's just, I'm most familiar with that one. It's really easy to use. Cryptocurrency, we're going on the Coinbase exchange, which just went public recently. That's the app we're using to purchase the cryptocurrency. Wine. We are putting $1,000 into wine, and we are using a company called VinoVest, which manages all the wine for you, so you don't actually have to buy the wine yourself. We are going to put $1,000 into real estate, and I'm using a Webull account, so that's just like Robinhood. I will say it is very difficult for me to use. Coming from Robinhood to Webull, I do not like Webull so far. It was really steep learning curve. So I don't recommend Webull at this moment, but it's definitely for traders, like day traders. It's set up to be a trading platform. Mark, do you have a Webull account? No, I do not. Don't get one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the sixth and final investment, we are going to put into art. And we are going to do this through an individual artist. And we will get to that in a little bit. Because um, that's the, I would say that's the oddest. Like you thought wine was our odd investment, I think art is our cha most challenging. And so, so yeah. we actually have a comment in chat about cows. Okay. It's something to do with moolah or cash cows. That's pretty good. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that is good. And I will say that is not the answer I'm looking for, oh. even though it's very good. <laughs> <laughs> who's a cow? <laughs> Who, who's saying who's a cow? Who is that? All right. 
So I will get to the cow answer in a minute. In order to avoid capital gains tax, which by the way, say we take our $6,000 and we gain $1,000 over the next year. If we were taxed at the highest capital gains rate, which if we hold them for a year and one day, we will have capital gains tax, which is the lowest sort of tax you can pay on things. If we make $1,000, worst case scenario, we pay $200 of that in taxes. So even though I'm going to talk about how we can save taxes, et cetera, it's really not a huge deal because even if we do it completely wrong, we only lose $200. So we gain $800. Does that make sense, Mark? That does make sense in a weird way. Okay. All right. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to talk about taxes a lot. Like how do we avoid the taxes? But the reality is unless you have lots of money and like a lot of different assets floating around, like outside of the stock market, you probably don't really need to worry about it if you're not working on a huge amount of money. But if you have larger amounts, like if you're if you're maybe closer to retirement and you have larger amounts, it might worry you a little bit more than it's going to worry me. Okay, so then broad overview of after tonight's episode. So we clearly in an hour cannot go deep dive into all these things. So we're going to have an episode on wine, which I've already recorded. It's with the CEO actually of VinoVest. So that's coming up at the end of May. Then we're going to do an episode specific to individual stocks and sort of why we picked what we picked and how you can analyze a stock to maybe pick for yourself. Cryptocurrency, we'll do an entire episode on that. And then we'll get to a quarter one update. So we'll be four months in, or is it three months? Three months. (laughs) And we'll analyze where our portfolio is compared to like Warren Buffett or the market. Then we'll do an episode completely on ETFs because I feel like that's the common sense. That's what I'm always saying is when in doubt, get an ETF. Then we're going to do an episode on art. We'll probably touch on NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which is basically cryptocurrency mixed with popularity contests. And then we'll also talk about masterwork.io, which is where you can buy, go in with a bunch of people and you buy like one one thousandth of a Picasso and then you hold it and then you auction it and you that's a way to do it. Um, okay, then quarter two, we'll do an update. Then we'll do an episode on the real estate, specifically real estate stocks, which is what we're doing. So it's not about like buying a rental or anything like that. It's about buying stocks. So in a way, we're not really buying real estate, we're buying paper real estate. Then we'll do the, a quarter three update, we'll do a quarter four update, and that's our 10 episodes. So it's not gonna be 10 episodes in a row. Over the course of the year, we're gonna do 10 episodes. And Mark will definitely be back for our quarterly updates, unless he gets fed up and wants to leave. <laughs> and then that's 10 episodes. We will probably do some more, like on commodities, we'll probably do one on bonds, and then maybe one on like savings accounts and sort of what's the best way to save, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So the question was, why don't cows have any money? Mark, what's your answer? Why don't cows have any money? Um, I'm guessing because farmers milk them dry. <laughs> you are good. I feel like you looked that up before. You, there's no way you got that. There's I had no the Google running. <laughs> All right. Somebody just said that's a lot of episodes. Sounds like you could do it weekly. That's pretty funny, Mark. It is a lot of episodes. You have a lot of work cut out for you. But it's over the course of the year. It's only because I rattled it off so quickly. Okay. Um, And I already have one recorded. All right. So my next riddle for everyone. I know Nicole's going to get this because she got the first one. Where does a penguin keep its money? Mark, do you have any guesses on that? It it has to something to do with banks. Um, I don't know. Maybe they keep it in a, a penguin crypto exchange. No, no that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, drinking game announcement for the night. Every time we say penguin, take a drink. 
<laughs> Mark, what are you drinking? Water over here. That is so healthy. I have a gin and tonic. Oh, here's another riddle. I have a gin and tonic and I'm drinking it with cucumber. So riddle me that. What sort of gin am I drinking? See if anybody knows that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, be- I'm betting Nicole will know the answer to that question. She definitely <laughs> knows, but <laughs> she's cheating. All right. So now what we've all gathered here to know, we're dying to know what is this first thousand dollars going into an ETF and the ETF we picked was IVV. That's the ticker. iShares Core S&P 500 ETF. Mark, why did I choose that ETF? I'm sure that it's very stable and and is performing well over the course of time. That's probably why you picked it. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, it is stable because it's an ETF. So ETFs by nature are stable. So you are right in that sense. And that's why we're picking an ETF. But that's not why I picked that one. I picked that one because at this moment in time, it has the lowest expense ratio at 0.03%, which means that over the course of a year, in order to own that, they will charge us 0.03% of the holdings. So our $1,000, over the course of a year, they will take 30 cents in management fees. Not a lot. That's if I'm doing that math right. I hope there's an accountant check me on that. But so we'll hold it for a year and 30 cents of that will go to a management fee. And the other reason why I picked it is really because that is the basic, what you said earlier, you would put it in an ETF. And Warren Buffett made a bet in 2008. He bet mutual funds and he said, I will choose an S&P 500 fund for the next 10 years and it will outperform any mutual fund, any managed fund. So all you money stock pickers, I will go up against you and I think they bet a million dollars, it might have been more. More of the story is he won. He just picked an S&P 500, can't remember if it was IVV. Over the course of 10 years, it beat out the managed funds by a lot. Um, and so the person actually gave up, the person that took his the other side of the bet gave up after five years. So basically what I'm doing is I'm saying Warren Buffett, who, if people don't know, he's also known as the Oracle of Omaha. He owns billions of dollars worth of stocks. He's he's known as the, he's the most famous investor ever. I won't say he's the most successful, but he's definitely the most well-known. And his plan is when he passes away that his heirs or whatever, the money is just supposed to go into uh, an S&P 500 index fund. So that is like what he plans to do. Now he's a, a good businessman right now. So he's picking stocks on his own. And he currently owns 6% of Coca-Cola, which brings up a point, which is he only owns 6% of Coca-Cola, but that is a massive holding. (laughs) And so he doesn't really have control of Coca-Cola, but he's still an owner in that company. Just by owning even a small part of it, he can sort of sway it a little bit. That really says a lot that he has that much much confidence in ETFs. You know, it sounds like a really smart thing to do. I'm glad I'm putting it in an ETF. And and I looked I looked into that because now the, the ETF is the zeitgeist of the day. It's the common sense of today. In 2008, we, of course, were after the financial crisis or, or in it near the end of it. Things have just, the market has steadily gone up. So I think there's definitely an argument if it were a different time period, if things were more volatile or something, that maybe the ETF wouldn't beat out the managed fund. But who knows? Who knows? But we'll see over the course of the year we're sort of creating a mutual fund of our own by picking all these assets and saying, we're going to try to outperform the S&P 500. So at the end of our year, we're going to compare to see what 
this ETF did and see if we beat it or didn't beat it. And somebody said in chat that uh, Warren Buffett also owns Seize Candies. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> he, I think he owns some newspapers. He owns like Southwest Airlines and he owns like a bunch of banks. I mean, he's just incredible. And by the way, his share, so he owns Berkshire Hathaway. That's how, sort of how he owns all these stocks through a company called Berkshire Hathaway, which was a textile company like a hundred years ago. And eventually textiles went out of fashion or they, whatever. So somehow he bought it and he's using that. But their share price for one share is something in like $421,000. So if you want to buy one share, and the only reason I know this is it was on the news this week, the NASDAQ ticker can't hold the number anymore. Like the number's too big for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy. Um, now, Mark, I will say the only sort of downside I see to this IVV is that it, there's no international exposure. So it's the United States stock market, you're not exposed to international, which maybe is good because maybe it's more well, volatile. Not not directly anyway. Yeah. It's hard so, to escape international. Mark, has anyone answered, where does a penguin keep its money? Oh, I've not seen an answer for that yet. Okay, well, I'm going to give you the answer. Unless you have a guess. Do you have a guess? Oh, I think somebody said in their pocket, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> well, the answer I was looking for is a snowbank. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, but don't worry. I have another riddle for you. What has a hundred heads and a hundred tails? Hundred heads, hundred tails. Sounds like a dollar. That's interesting. That's interesting. All right. So now, where will we be putting our next thousand dollars? Specific stocks. So patrons were able to vote on what stocks we were picking, and interestingly enough, nobody picked what I wanted them to pick. <laughs> So, so all these stocks are completely different. So I'm going to give a shout out here to Sean Linehan, who hosts the Bottled Up podcast. He had suggested some sort of green housing or tiny housing and then green energy. So I didn't find green energy or I didn't find tiny houses, but I did find a company called VST is their ticker. And they are an electric energy supplier. Now, they do have a little bit of fossil fuels, but they're working on sort of going towards solar and going to toward wind and then getting rid of the fossil fuels eventually. So it's a company that I feel happy with. I felt like the share price was good in the moment. Um, I think it's going to grow and it pays a dividend. Not everything we picked pays a dividend. The Another company, we, we picked four, by the way, I picked four individual stocks. So another one is ticker LAC, which is Lithium Americas. And Mark, can you guess what that company does? They, I'm guessing they make batteries. Sort of. They mine lithium, which oh, goes okay. into batteries. Now, lithium, I read all about this. Lithium is in demand, obviously more phones, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's projected to be a needed commodity and demand's going to be going up. Actually, a lot of the lithium companies that are publicly traded are sort of at an all-time high right now. Lithium America's there's a 52-week high and low, which means over the course of a year, the stock traded at its low, like $10, to its high, $40. And right now, Lithium Americas is like halfway between that. That was just something I was looking for. So I'm happy with that company. But it's like we're investing in wine. We didn't invest in gold or silver, but lithium is a commodity. So we don't, we're not actually buying lithium itself, but we're buying a mine, which is sort of like buying a commodity. Next stock, 
TAP, Molson Coors Beverage, which I care about because it's the makers of Blue Moon, which my wife, that's sort of her go-to beer. Again, this is sort of like a commodity because it's beverages. And so that's going to track differently than like a tech stock. And it pays a dividend. And I read all about it. In theory, it's going to be good. This is when I was uncomfortable because it's at its 52-week high right now. And I don't like buying things when they're at their 52-week high. But everything I read said this company is going to grow. So, And then I thought, well, Nicole drinks Blue Moon. So at least we have that going for it. <laughs> you know, if nothing else, we can know that we own a little bit of Blue Moon. Um, okay, and then the final individual pick. So Josh Warner, shout out to that guy. So he wanted DraftKings, which is a sports betting company. And I was just uncomfortable with it, even though I actually had another Wells Fargo advisor. I, I pinged them and I said, hey, and he said, yeah, DraftKings. So everyone's saying to buy it. I just, there's something about it because it's at this 52 week high. I just don't like that. I don't understand. Like I know sports betting is like the new, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, Josh Warner, what did I do? I did not get DraftKings. I got a company called Skills. S-K-L-Z is their ticker. It's sort of like DraftKings, except I was more comfortable. It's a mobile gaming app. It's connected to betting. So online betting is sort of going to skyrocket. Well, Skills is providing the technological infrastructure, and it's sort of hosting uh, contests and things. And then I heard about it on a podcast called Earn Your Leisure. It's an amazing podcast. Everyone should check out. There was some guest on there who was just saying skills, skills, skills. And I thought, okay, well, that's connected to sports betting, but I feel better about this company because it's not connected to a specific sport or even just sports. It can access other mobile games like ones that have been around. I read this whole thing about how they can take old games that weren't performing with their ads and sort of turn them into tournament things via skills. Mark, what are your thoughts on on my thinking here? Yeah, I just looked up both of those and uh, the skills stock price is a lot lower than DraftKings. So you definitely have more room, more headroom to grow and get some profit. It recently sort of fell. Um, there's reasons for that we'll get into in the other episodes, but it's price to earnings ratio was just a little better. I felt better about going into it. So Josh Warner, I didn't do DraftKings, but skills is sort of like DraftKings. Okay, Mark, what has a hundred heads and a hundred tails? Did we get an answer for that? Uh, yeah, Nicole has an answer. She said it's a hundred pennies. How did she know that? This joke doesn't even make sense. How did well, she had, a, she had a better answer than my dollar bill. <laughs> well, technically it's, it's sort of the same thing. <laughs> But hers does have 100 heads and 100 tails. All right. This one is going to... Oh, she's in the other room saying something. All right. This next one, though, is no one's going to get this. Why did the school kid eat their $5 bill? Everyone think on that. Give us your answers. All right. So the $3,000 we're going to spend is in Bitcoin. That's it. The cryptocurrency is something Nicole has been telling me to do since 2017. She's been saying, Ethan, buy Bitcoin. I didn't do it. We'd be wealthier if we had done that. But we now own $1,000 of Bitcoin. And I just picked Bitcoin because I think Ethereum is probably a better coin. More things are based off Ethereum. But Bitcoin is just has the name recognition. So I just went with it because I don't know enough about cryptocurrency. Mark, do you have any knowledge of cryptocurrency? No, not really. I've been trying to, to learn more about it because of NFTs. And it's, it's very murky for me. Mm. 
that's why I just went Bitcoin. Also, that Earn Your Leisure podcast I mentioned earlier, everybody on there is saying, oh, yeah, get Bitcoin. Also, the Millennial Investing podcast says that we, we just had to. And Bitcoin was just the safest way I could think. But Earn Your Leisure, they say in the next 10 years, they wouldn't be surprised if it, it's currently at $60,000 a coin. They wouldn't be surprised if it's at $250,000 a coin. I heard a more in-depth analysis that said it will get to like 130. But either way, that's more than 60. We'll just we'll just see. I'm, I'm interested to learn a little bit more about Bitcoin just because it's something that I have not been doing. Like I think cryptocurrency so the, is here to stay. Yeah. The question is, how much was it in 2017? Do not. We're not going to go there. We will go there. <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been like 750. I'm not joking. Wow. It, it might have been. It might have been. But that is neither. That's water under a bridge. Moving on in, with my life. All right, Mark, why did the school kid eat their $5 bill? Oh, I have no idea. Why would a school kid eat a $5 bill? Their parents told them that it was for lunch. <laughs> See, nobody would have gotten that. Nobody would have gotten that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I know everyone's a little disappointed that they didn't get that one, so I have another one for you. What did the dollar name its daughter? Oh, I, I think that's obvious. Okay, well, maybe it is. I'll let other people guess. You decide. Also, I will note that nobody has called in yet. This technology is proving elusive. I understand. I understand. Hi, everyone. What's up? I'm just reading the chat. (laughs) Okay, so our fourth investment is wine. So we are using a company called VinoVest, and wine might seem off the wall. Yes, Mark? What do you think about us doing wine investing? You know, I I never thought about investing in wine for money. And that it sounds intriguing, though. I agree. But the reason I landed on it was, first of all, another shout out to Sean Linehan. I listened to his Bottled Up podcast about wine. And I'm learning all this stuff about wine. And so I looked into it. And I realized that wine is a very sort of stable asset class. And the reason people don't invest in it is because there's a lot of overhead involved. But here comes this company called VinoVest that is actually set up sort of like Robinhood in that you just log in, create your account, and you buy wine. And what they do is they buy it in cases. So our $1,000 that we put into VinoVest, they bought an $883 case of wine for us. So we own right now 12 bottles of wine. And investing in wine, like you can buy a case for like $600 to $1,500. That's like the standard case price for investable wine. So the $1,000 just sort of really worked well for us to get one case. So we have a case that's stored in the UK. That was going to be my question. Do you actually have a case of wine stored in your apartment that you can't drink? No. Okay. So good question, though. The other option other than VinoVest was to buy a beverage stock, which we sort of did with Coors. It's not a wine specific. Buying it yourself, I talked to Sean and he said that in order to sell it at auction, they need to guarantee that it was stored properly. So you basically have Mm. to have a wine cellar or you have to pay for it to be stored and you have to guarantee that it was stored that way the whole time. I decided that was way too risky to actually buy a case myself and selling it and transporting it. So that's why we went with VinoVest, which they do have fees. So they have an annual fee of 2.85%. So if we think back to our ETF, they're charging us 30 cents for every thousand dollars we own with them. VinoVest for the $1,000 is going to charge us $28.50 for the year. So that's a big difference. Yeah. And another thing, if anyone's critical of me for picking wine here, another negative about the wine is there are no dividends. 
So the S&P 500 will every quarter give us a little bit of money back that we can reinvest. Wine, there is no way it can give you money back. It's just a thing that sits there and collects fees and collects dust. That's that. So, so you're just hoping there's a demand for it and then the price will go up. Correct. Like and I've done my research. I've looked into it and the price is very steady. Like it just sort of seems, and it does fall. So like if the stock market crashes, wine price does crash, but not as much. And then it appreciates a little better than the S&P 500. So at the end of the year, we'll have to see, did it appreciate so much more over the S&P 500 that once we take out the fees and the no dividends that we still beat the S&P? Or if it's like just as profitable or lossable as the S&P 500, we then are going to lose even greater because the fees are so high. And I understand now the fees are high because they're charging you for storage is what they're doing. Yes. And and this is a good thing that they, they're storing it, they're buying it, they're selling it. They have access to more wine seller, like wine creators or uh, wineries. I almost call them orchards. They have access to all that stuff. They're very knowledgeable about wine. And they do everything. They buy, they sell, and they just take that fee. So there's not like an account setup fee or anything like that. And that's another thing. If we were to buy a case ourselves and sell it at auction, if you're only selling one case, the chances are the auction house is going to take 50% of whatever you make. If we bought it for 300 and sold it for 600, they would take 150 of that. So we would only get 150 plus we would have had to pay for storage and insurance and all that. Vinovest is sort of making it worthwhile. Oh, and one thing I wanted to point out, actually, wine is a collectible, so you cannot use your retirement funds for it. So this $6,000 we're using is not in retirement accounts. Like we could invest in the S&P 500, but all this is taxable accounts, just brokerage accounts, stuff like that. Mark, what did the dollar name its daughter? So Nicole has a guess. And she said Sandy yeah. as in sand dollar. I think that's pretty cool. That's pretty nice. That is really good. It was not okay, my guess. Okay, so though. what is your guess, Mark? Penny. That is correct. That <laughs> <Hey>. is correct. <laughs> All right, Mark, knock, knock. Who's there? Nicholas. Nicholas who? Nicholas, half as much as a dime. <sighs> <laughs> All right, it's good. It's good. Speaking of, if you have a dime to spare, patreon.com slash artistic finance, we still need 31 patrons. I haven't checked in. Maybe somebody became a patron. And if you did, thank you. You're amazing. Patreon.com slash artistic finance. Stop listening to this podcast right now and go there and just sign up and then listen to this later. <laughs> Mark, where do frogs deposit their money? Oh, that's got to be another bank of some kind. Um, if I become a patron, will the jokes get better? <laughs> Mark, thank you for not reading everything in the chat. Oh, wait, Holy that just came cow. in. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a, this is a hard... <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, I'm moving on. You think on where do frogs deposit their mon- money? Mr. Uh, Mr. or Mrs. or whoever, PBG7E3D1H... Yeah, that. You, where do frogs <laughs> deposit their money? I want an answer out of you. These are the weirdest okay. names I've seen in a chat log, by the way. <laughs> okay, so now for real estate. Real estate, I just picked four different real estate. They're not ETFs, they're actual companies, but they're called uh, REITs, so real estate investment trusts. So basically, it's just companies that own a lot of properties. And we'll get into that on the individual episode. The only one I will point out so it's UBA, SRG, MGP. 
and STAG. The only one I'm going to point out is MGP, which is MGM Casinos. So Josh Warner, this is sort of for you again. It's the properties that are owned by MGM. So MGM was a stock that I was hoping people would pick and nobody seemed excited about it because my thought was Las Vegas after COVID just can grow go up. Like it's just going to go up. So I think it's a great stock to hold. However, I'm vicariously getting it. And also MGM is going to benefit from all the sports betting. So so the DraftKing, in a way, MGP is, is getting a little bit of DraftKing and getting a little of MGM. And so that's why I'm happy about it. But real estate, that's that. Mark, where do frogs deposit their money? So PBG7 said in a river bank. That sounds right to me. Darn, that's really good. They got it. Man, I was, ho- I was hoping. <laughs> so does that mean the jokes are getting better? <laughs> <laughs> I expect to see a smile emoji from them. All right, Mark, when does it rain money? Ooh, um, I'm thinking something about about weather changing. Darn it, you weren't supposed to get it. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, all right, you already got it. When there's a change in the weather. Okay, so that brings us to art. Art is the final investment we're making. And this one is a little tricky. Basically, I'm calling it the Artistic Finance 6K, but I'm actually going to remove art from the equation. And the reason is, is that we're not really investing in art. We, we, we went a route less traveled. And less traveled for a reason, which is called, it's not expected to return on the investment. There's a company called Masterworks. And that's what I mentioned earlier, which is where you buy part of a Picasso. They have a 1.5% fee, which is less than VinoVest. But when they sell the art, they take 20% of the commission. So it's like the art house gets their cut. Masterworks also gets their cut. And another thing is they really want you to put $5,000 in. And I wasn't going to do it. So that's one of the reasons I didn't go that route. But that would probably be the safest way to invest in art. We're going to buy an actual painting. And it's from an artist I like named Brett Slater. We own two of his pieces. We are actually, I guess you call it commissioning. We are commissioning this piece. So we're spending our $1,000 on that. With the pandemic and everything, I'm feeling good about this one because it's sort of an investment, if I can use that word, in Brett, in his life. It's going to be an investment in this painting, which is going to be in Nicole and I, our apartment. So it's a quality of life sort of investment. As Nicole told me, in one year and one day from now, are we going to be able to sell it for more than we're purchasing it from Brett? Probably not. No, actually, I can guarantee you not. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. And the thing is, another thing with Brett is that if you want to get investable art, so if you actually want to buy something, so a Picasso is going to cost you millions. If you want to buy an investable piece of art, I think your minimum price would be $25,000. So we obviously weren't going to spend $25,000 to get our very own piece of art. And there's people that can help you with this, like sort of pick artists where they're trending right now. And if you get their 25,000 work of art, you know, in a year, it might be worth 30 or in in 10 years, it might be worth 100,000. I mean, it's such a Hmm. guessing game. Um, yeah, it seems like Masterworks is probably a better way to do that. Yeah, so Masterworks definitely would be the safest way. Because if you're stuck with a piece of art and, and you're wanting to just have it for its money value, 
It is so incredibly subjective. And even Masterworks is really subjective. A Picasso selling could go with a swing of like $20 million. Like it could sell for 10 million and it could sell for 30 million. And there's no way of knowing until it's actually auctioned. Right. Um, and how often does that happen? Not, not really that often. Exactly. So I'm removing art, but I am still going to track this Brett Slater artwork. And then another thing with Brett is his artworks, if you were to buy them at a gallery, range from 4,000 to 7,000 ish. It, there's a lot of factors on like size, et cetera. So we actually can't even afford one of his paintings, even though I got him to agree to sell it to us, like not through the gallery. So we're actually just putting a thousand dollar down payment and he's worked out that we can pay him whenever. So actually that thousand dollars is only buying a, a portion of this. So I'm just going to track the $1,000 portion. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm not doing art, but I felt like we had to do some investment in art. And I didn't want to do 5,000 for Masterworks. So that's where we are. Mark, what do you think? Wow. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. I think um, there's other things that you probably could have invested in also, especially now they're talking about reopening theater. You could probably could have invested in a show, but that's probably more risky. Okay, so actually. a show. I would have loved to do in a show, but the minimum for a Broadway oh. show is $25,000. Right. There's just no, unless I had gotten 24 of my favorite friends and we all put in $1,000, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and you probably <laughs> wouldn't get probably, your money back anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, it would have the same return as this art will have. Okay, so those are our six things. You already answered about changing the weather, but I have a new riddle for you, which is, what did the football coach say to the broken vending machine? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, this is easy. This is actually from my childhood. The answer is, he, the football coach said to the vending machine, give me my quarterback. <laughs> I should have guessed that. <laughs> and so I include that joke because I first heard that joke when I was a child and I didn't even know what football was. Like I knew what it was, but I didn't know any of the rules. So I didn't even know enough that there was a quarterback. So I knew that joke without actually knowing what a quarterback was. I knew what a quarter was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mark, we are going to wrap this up. I hope people don't feel like they wasted their time with us because I had a wonderful time with you, Mark. And I'm looking forward to this next series where we deep dive into everything. I have a challenge to put to everyone. Two challenges, actually. One is to put some skin in the game and sort of on your own, maybe see if you can be us. So we're trying to be the stock market. We're trying to be Warren Buffett. If you want to try to compare yourself to artistic finance, that would also be fun. And then the other thing is called the $10 challenge. All it is, is to save $10. If that seems easy, let me complicate it. <laughs> it's to save the $10 and track it. Patrons have access to this. I have these printable charts on how to save $10. I have one for $100, $1,000, all the way to $1 billion. So you can actually track <laughs> when you're getting to a billion dollars. And the only thing about this is that it's just to make you mindful. And so if $10 is like, well, why waste my time? Then do the $100 one or do the $1,000 one to save for an emergency fund or to invest in something. But you have these charts, you print, you print them out and it just has little maps. So as you accumulate more, you just track it. And the whole point of this is just to sort of take some action prioritize saving money, take some responsibility. If you have $10 in the bank, that doesn't count. You have to like track it mindfully until you get to that 10. So whether you want to give it to charity or you want to buy an extra somebody a coffee, 
like make some sort of goal that you're going to be mindful about. So that's a, that's a challenge. If you have kids, that would be great for them. Like the $10 challenge, they could do the $10 one. You could do the thousand dollar one, sort of work on it together and talk about it. That would be fantastic. That's really um, great. Yeah. It could also go toward like a vacation fund or a repair, repairing the car fund or a rainy day fund, emergency fund. I think just printing it out and looking at it just makes you mindful of it. And I think that's the sort of thought is, oh yeah, you know, not like. I lost you, Ethan. That was a hard cut. <laughs> it seems like Ethan's having some microphone issues. So he's probably going to try and reconnect. But I will say that, that that chart thing is a great idea. If you have kids, I think I think it is fantastic. It's good for any of us, really. Just a, a way to see that we are making progress towards our goals, which is something we easy to lose sight of when you're in the midst of things, trying to hustle, trying to pay your bills, trying to get everything done. And if you have a way to remind you that you actually are making progress and make you feel better as you're, you're going through your day month to month, I think that's a great thing. So it's really great that, that Ethan made this. So you should definitely go check it out. And uh, we'll see. I don't know if Ethan's going to make it back or not. And unfortunately, I have no control on this end um, on any technical things. So if you do have any questions in chat, I can try to answer some of them. But Ethan's really the guy. Uh, I would say mostly <laughs> push all the buttons for sure. Uh, unfortunately, I have no buttons to push. <laughs> Um, I'm sure Ethan's kind of freaking out right now and it is his birthday as I see some of you put into chat and I was about to say whenever you pause next happy birthday to Ethan oh I hear something oh hey 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 all right that feedback was Nicole trying to help me all right <laughs> uh, so everybody in New York City you'll understand this that was what we call a spectrum interruption <laughs> oh yeah spectrum interruptions the Wi-Fi just decided to go out. Mark, I don't know what you said while I was gone. I hope you led everyone astray, and we'll have to take the next year to get them back on track. <laughs> I talked about you the entire time. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I missed that uh, by, by the way, just want to say now that you're back on, some people beat me to it, but happy birthday, Ethan. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, and happy Cinco de Mayo to you. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> All right, so did I explain the $10 challenge well enough? Uh, I think you did. I think you did. And if I didn't mention it or I cut out, let me know what your goal is and if, if and when you accomplish it, and I'll mention it on the podcast, and I'll say so-and-so did this, and congrats, and we're all proud of you. Um, and if you print out my sheets, even better. Six minutes to wrap this thing up. Can I check in about your tops photo? So if anybody listened to the episode talking about this oh. episode, we wanted to get your photo tops installed in a hotel lobby or installed somewhere. Have you made right. any progress? Has anybody I, reached out to you? I actually have made some progress. It's so new that I can't actually speak any specifics about it yet. Let me see. I can try. Let me see how well I can obfuscate this. So... I, <laughs> I, I might have a lead on an installation internationally, not here in the U.S. It would be an art installation. It would probably not be permanent, but it would be mm -hmm. for a while. So kind of semi-permanent. That's pretty much all I can say about it. And okay, that just, you can't, that just you can't say what country? You can't say what no, country? No, I, I can't. Well, let's see if okay. I can give you a clue. Well, it's a U.N. country. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. <laughs> and it just happened. This- it was just, just a few days ago. So it's very, very new. And I, I really can't speak much more about it than that. All right. That's fantastic. Well, on our quarterly updates, we will find out how this goes. And everybody, now we have a goal. We need to start saving a vacation fund so that when Mark gets this installed in a UN, UN nation, we will be able to all take a vacation there and see it in person. Hey, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. So if anybody hasn't listened to this week's episode of the podcast, not this episode, it is with Patty Hirsch and we talk about compound interest. So Patty is from Planet Money at NPR. He's a real financial journalist. He explains everything there is to know about compound interest, which is something we are going to take advantage of for this year and a day as we save things. And then our next episode, so we're skipping a week, right? Unless we miraculously get to 50 patrons, which I believe in miracles. So this could happen by midnight. We could get to 50 patrons. (laughs) Um, Just 31 to go. No big deal. We can do this. On May 17th, that's when the next episode will be. So two weeks skipping a week. And it's with two New York City designers who are talking about purchasing homes in New York City and sort of holding them for 20 years, et cetera. So, but they're talking about holding them as homes, not investments. And then the last thing that I request of anybody, if they're listening and they haven't done this, is subscribe or follow Artistic Finance on any podcast app. Uh, YouTube, if you can, I'm now 100 subscribers on YouTube. 102, baby. Awesome. We also have a TikTok and an Instagram. So if you want to mind following us there, Mark, where can they learn more about you? Oh, definitely. I'm on Instagram as well. It's uh, at Pixmark, P-I-X-M-A-R-C. And I have a website, MarkSantosPhotography.com. Perfect. Amazing. And also Patreon.com slash Artistic Finance. I forgot to say that. Become one of our founding 50 and I'll love you forever. Or I'll at least love you for a while. <laughs> um, everybody, thank you for joining us. Mark, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it was my pleasure. Um, so happy Cinco de Mayo to everyone. We have a play out I'm going to play and then it's, you won't hear us anymore. So thank you everybody so much. Mark, you're the coolest. Goodbye. Happy, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye everyone. That was our 6K special. The rest of the series will include deep dives into each asset class. We'll explain how each investment compares historically to the market, how it is performing for us, and where it belongs in a diversified portfolio. At the end of the year, May 5th, 2022, we will rebalance our positions and see if we were able to beat the market or if we would have been better off giving it to a financial advisor. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified when we release our new episodes, to access our printable savings sheets, my financial vocabulary dictionary, and access to bonus episodes, become a patron by going to patreon.com slash artistic finance. And remember, when we reach 50 patrons, we'll start releasing episodes every single week. That's it for today. Until next time, break a leg. Thank you for listening to Artistic Finance. Make sure to subscribe. To access our show notes, transcripts, or resources, go to artisticfinance.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Artistic Finance. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.